Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel a thin bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, that means we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Uh, today, like most days, we have got all sorts of interesting shit-talking and shenanigans to get into and break down for you with a whole mess of fights going down this weekend to get into. Um, as of right now fresh 03 is still out and about doing fresh 03 things and poor golf tee has lost home internet due to you know life being fucking crazy right now so hopefully everything gets straightened out we might pick up a golf tee later on we may have a fresh 03 appearance before the end but as of right now it's me and the young gunner the stunner the up-and-comer the one and only rj himself coming at you how you doing tonight brother doing pretty fucking good man had a pretty nice little little weekend for me. Uh, me and the missus had a good day today. Um, yeah, it was a pretty good fucking day, man. Hell yeah. So, um, we do have an interesting little spiel for a card coming up this weekend. But before we get into that, I do want to take just a little bit of time here, jump back and go over a couple of the oh shit moments that broke out from last weekend's UFC Vegas 29 card. Um, I I feel kind of bad saying it, but uh, it, it shouldn't have really been much of a surprise to anyone that uh, Laura Nonick Procopio got submitted in the uh, opening fight, um, but you know she did. Props to Casey O'Neill. She came out as a, a fucking almost two to one underdog, and I don't understand why, but she fucking choked her way right into a victory, and that set up what I'm gonna call probably the most overlooked or underappreciated moment of last Saturday night. Um, Ricky Glenn coming off the shelf after nearly three fucking years since his last fight 37 seconds in sends Joaquin Silva to the fucking shadow realm just look like he has not lost a fucking step like to be honest he looked a hell of a lot better Saturday night than he did the last time we saw him and from the interviews he has done since then that man has got a fire lit up underneath his ass and the fucking lightweight division had better look out because he's a crafty fucking veteran, but he also, because of the time off, almost appears to be like a prospect again compared to guys like Joaquin Silva that they put him up against. Ricky Glenn is going to fucking make ripples in the lightweight division in, in the next year, year and a half. I'm, I'm calling it now. You better keep an eye on that fucking dude. I mean, and just, just the setup the setup for it was so fucking beautiful. Yeah. Dude, 
It was crisp, clean, fucking setup. And I mean, the power of just laying somebody out and yeah, in in the opening minute like that, dude. That was fucking. That was beautiful. That was a class act right there. Yeah, it was. It, it made you feel good considering dude had been sidelined with so many fucking crazy injuries and shit for so long to see him come back and just fucking wreck house and the smile on his face when it was all said and done. And he was like, yeah, bitch, this is what I should have been doing the whole time. Like, you motherfuckers just forgot. Like, I'm Ricky fucking Glenn, bitches. Uh, but I, to be fair, Dana said that he will most definitely take care of Ricky with some type of unofficial bonus because his fucking 37 second beautiful knockout after three years on the shelf somehow did not make performance of the fucking night on this card. But you know, we'll get to that. I mean, fucking, I mean, I don't understand how that was a 50k knockout, in my opinion. Just Dana saying that, I mean, that really says something about. About about hey, I'm still gonna take care of you because with you being sidelined and doing a performance like that, I'm still gonna give you a little something something. That that's a yeah. that's a that's a good act on Dana's part. Well, and and to be fair, after Terrence Kenny getting the exact same fucking thing last weekend, fastest knockout in fucking lightweight history, fourth fastest knockout in UFC history in any division in his fucking short notice debut and that didn't get him a fucking performance bonus and then dana came out in that press conference and said no 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 we're going to take care of that kid we're going to cut him some kind of fucking unofficial bonus check he kind of had to to follow up when ricky glenn did the same thing coming off the shelf for three fucking years like to set that beautiful fucking layout up you, you got to take care of him for that shit that's a um, that's a damn good thing to see after after a year or two of questionable performance bonuses. That's right, a damn good yeah. thing to see. Yeah, I agree. Um, but moving along from there, um, we got one like I, well, I'll I'll preface it with this: in the last, I'll say two months, two to three months, we have seen some of the absolute fucking flat out nastiest submissions and near submissions in the ufc in particular i feel like we have seen in mma overall in the last five years um we have seen literal legs broken we have seen arms yanked well beyond where the fucking turning point of the socket is supposed to be we have seen joint manipulations that would make a mere mortal fucking scream be ignored like we have seen some serious fucking serious serious limb attacks we'll say in in the last couple of months noteworthy um and then we saw verna yandaroba step in this weekend against kanako morata i will say this kanako morata might be the toughest girl in the strawweight division like just sheer brute badassery she might be one of the toughest girls in the fucking in, in the strawweight division period uh, but verna yandaroba uh, is quickly shooting herself up the fucking rankings in terms of underestimated skill um we have since seen the x-ray of kanako's arm 
after Yonderoba put her in one of the craziest, strongest fucking locks we have seen in a hot fucking minute and quite literally popped her elbow out of her elbow. It, it separated the joint completely. And Kanaka stood up with her arm T-Rexed. Thankfully, they didn't fucking make her keep fighting like that. Like last weekend's uh, Arizona Mazagati tried to, or two weekends ago, Arizona Mazagati tried to make them. But uh, uh, yeah, Yandaroba literally tore the elbow joint apart. Fucking ow. Fucking ow. Um, props to Kanako. Props to Kanako. Um, I, I will I will say this. Um, it got a lot more credit on the broadcast than I felt it deserved. Uh, it really... I don't want to cry wolf here because there's already more than enough MMA journalists who are already out there saying it, but I feel it needs to be repeated. Uh, the commentary crew during the Parisian versus Martinez fight was so fucking openly biased. Like generally speaking, when I watch MMA specifically UFC, but also Bellator for the most part, I watch it muted. I don't want to fucking hear what the commentators are saying. I don't need to hear their fucking plugs for commercial products during the fights and shit. I am only interested in the, the visual stats that they throw up and the fight that I am watching play out. It, I was reminded of that very much why I do that this weekend, because during the Parisian versus Martinez fight, they basically the entire time were praising every single thing Josh Parisian did that worked while almost openly mocking everything that Roque was trying that didn't work or something that he would uh, or should something that he should have done when Parisian was doing something. It was like they were already anticipating Parisian getting the win. They were completely disregarding Roque Martinez. And that's fucking stupid. We have seen Roque Martinez have some fucking definite, definite potential. And for the, the commentating crew to be so openly fucking biased against him, uh, the MMA fighting journalist, uh, SB Nation journalist, uh, bloody elbow journalist, I have heard a dozen different fucking sites, reporters all openly calling this out. Everyone heard. It was like a couple weeks back where we had DC openly fucking talking shit during a fight and he got called out for it. Real similar situation here. If you're doing commentary for the broadcast, you're supposed to be doing broad or doing commentary on the fight itself, not on how you think it's going. You think it should be going what you see. And that's not what we got. Josh Parisian got the W in a split decision from the judges, which very, very many people seem to unanimously agree may very well have been influenced by the vocal bias commentary in the fucking stadium. Roque Martinez won that fucking fight, but the judges gave it to Josh Parisian on a split fucking close decision. That's bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, we had the same thing happen earlier in the year when Rogan was being very openly vocal and biased during a fucking card and then got shredded for it after the fact. 
it, it's getting to be a little much when we're having it happen, not once in a while, but once a card or once or twice a card. I don't know if these, these guys that are commentating are just too comfortable in their UFC position or if they've forgotten that commentating isn't supposed to fucking be biased, but it, it's a little fucking ridiculous in a fight that wasn't terrific to begin with. It wasn't the greatest fight on the card by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a clean example of the broadcaster's commentary being openly fucking biased because everyone in the fucking MMA journalism world is going after them for this fight in particular that very well may have influenced already critically fucking suspicious judges into giving the wrong man the fucking victory. Shit. Can we like try out for UFC commentary? I mean, like we can, I mean, yeah. Anybody who's seen a uh, combat compatriot show that we do, I would fucking go Pepsi challenge that the four of us, do better fucking color commentary than anyone the UFC puts in their fucking rotation. We might not have the independent knowledge that some of them do, but as a whole, I'd put us in a fucking Pepsi challenge against any of their fucking crew. I mean, we can even we can even throw throw in some some fucking plugs. Uh, shout out to uh, Bunker Branding and Nicholas Irving for this hat and ranch water. There you go. There you go. There's your there's your plugs of the podcast. Shit, I mean, totally. we could we could totally be fucking UFC commentators. I mean, for for them to be as confident in their bullshit that they're saying, they must be sponsored by She's Underwear because they need help holding them balls up. <laughs> Hims, <laughs> Hims underwear, sir. Hims. Yeah, right. Oh, but. And uh, shout out to uh, Manscape Lawnmower 4.0 that I just dropped last week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but moving along from that shit show, um, I, I will say this. Um, the opening fight of the main card was not going particularly... Uh, how should I put this? the fight that we saw up until the stoppage did not necessarily lead you to believe it was going to get stopped the way that it did. Um, Matt Brown, contrary to, again, what the fucking commentary crew was virtually screaming during the fight, did not look that great for a 44-year-old man in the fucking cage. Um, I will say this, the shot that he landed on Douglas Lima in the second round was absolutely fucking clean. Uh, I try and make a point to give credit where credit is due, regardless of how I feel about the person. Um, I absolutely 100% stand by my fucking opinion that Matt Brown should have fucking retired by now, and that this is absolutely 100% a lucky fucking shot that he landed on Lima. Um, But he did land the perfect fucking shot to shut him completely fucking down with that right hand when he landed. Um, I still think Matt Brown needs to shut the fuck up and hang his gloves up. We all know that he's more interested in coaching than fighting at this point, despite what he might say once in a while. Uh, But Lima took the loss like a champ. Didn't try and make excuses. Didn't fucking run. Didn't cry. You know, he owned it. He got caught. Hey, good on you. Uh, But I I still 100% think Despite that clean ass shot landing on Lima, he still 100% needs to hang his fucking gloves up and stop. It's going to get bad real quick. Yeah. I mean, to me, that was like, if you, 
if you watch that shot, Matt Brown was ducking in as he let go of a, a, of a shot, yeah, and Douglas Lima just walked into it. On. That's right. He wasn't looking square on. It was absolutely a, is this going to work? If not, I'm going to try and be defensive enough to not get my ass hit in the process shot that he threw, and it just happened because, fucking land. Because as he, as he cocked back, Douglas Lima was getting ready to throw a right of his own, so he just raised the left and just leaned in and just let it fly, and he got lucky. As everybody says, you got a puncher's chance, and that chance just happened to fall under Matt Brown on, on that particular night. It it was that was a that was a lucky shot. It was a good shot. It landed it landed clean right on the button. He did what he had to do, and he made his money that night. But that it was luck. There was no skill in that. You're not fucking. You, you weren't looking. You were just letting it fly real quick. Which sometimes you. You just got to let him fly, keep pressure. But that was lucky. And he does need to retire. Absolutely. Um, that will bring us to, I would say, probably the second closest um, or most overlooked slash underestimated uh, bonus worthy performance of the evening, in my opinion. Um, Wellington Terman came in to take on last minute, short notice debut maker, Bruno Silva. Um, this essentially was promoted as another kind of tee up fight to try and get Wellington Terman some mat time and some eyes from the fans and try and help build his brand. So, uh, Apparently, they forgot to send that memo to Bruno Silva's team um, because he came in from the opening bell just doing fucking work. Um, absolutely one of the best fucking debuts I believe we have seen in a hot fucking minute here. Just absolutely got after it, outstruck and outworked Wellington Terman right from the get-go got him to the fucking ground and just had absolutely smooth as a baby's ass ground and pound work. It ended it um, from in the guard doing work. Uh, didn't give a fuck. Just going to town and next thing you know, good night, sweetheart. Uh, debut knockout TKO props to Bruno Silva. Um, Wellington Terman, I think might have a little bit more hype than he deserved. It might be that he kind of had that uh, Brazilian hype train pushing him a little more than he should have. And I think it kind of got derailed Saturday night. Yeah, I mean I mean fucking I don't I don't I don't know what Silva's been doing for the last three years. As I said last week, his last professional fight was in 2018. Yeah. That that was like your, your your last professional fight being that long ago and wearing a, a a man as a backpack for like 45 seconds and still yeah. having the strength in your legs and your upper body to still keep going at, afterwards after you get them off after you get them to the ground that was that was fucking beautiful <clears throat> yeah i was i was very impressed uh Absolutely one of the best fucking debuts I think we have seen in a hot. Oh, good, good year or two. Yeah. Um, 
and then the wonderful thing about that is that we get from one beautiful knockout or excuse me from one lucky knockout to a beautiful knockout into an even more beautiful knockout here in my opinion um we we kind of called we kind of all called this one last week uh sungwoo Choi taking on juicy j julian arosa was it, it was another kind of teed up fight in my opinion despite everybody had juicy j from being the, the ultimate fighter cast member that was definitely memorable um Sungwoo Choi is is on a fucking tear, man, and he he showed us that very much. Uh, he stung Juicy J with that left and had him in what the fucksville population Erosa, <laughs> fucking clean, man. Um, I, I will say this: um, one thing that was completely unrelated to that fight, educational moment, if you will, um, while some of us were watching this match or watching the, the lead up to this match, there was a gentleman in the back holding pads for Sung Woo Choi who looked to all of us in the moment who confirmed, wait a minute, is that the Superboy himself, Korean Superboy Duho Choi? Are they related? Is Duho Choi and Sung Woo Choi, could they be like cousins or something? Like similar namesake, they, they have a very similar resemblance about their facial features. Like, they could be holding pads for each other. Like, this could be a cool fucking story here. So we dove into it live while we were waiting for that fight to come out. Turns out, sadly, no. Uh, this is another one of those cases of names from other countries not properly getting translated into English. Uh, Sungwoo Choi is Sungwoo Sting Choi. Um, the Korean Superboy, who all we all know and love as Duho Choi, his name is actually Choi Duho, but because of the way surnames are pronounced, and sometimes America doesn't properly fucking do that, we have inverted Duho Choi's name, and it should actually be Choi Duho and Sungwoo Choi. They are not in fact related. Just a little more, you know. That being said, Sung Woo Choi beat the shit out of Juicy J. <laughs> uh, that dude is a badass, and he's not getting enough credit, in my opinion. I'm hoping that that helps turn that around just a little bit, maybe. I'm, 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 I'm fucking waiting for for him to get a a head kick knockout because that guy's speed of his fucking legs. Yeah, dude. He was throwing like, him. He was fucking letting you know. Like, and, 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 like, the hardest fucking thing, which he made it look like he learned it in the first grade and has just been working on it ever since, is going in for, like, like acting like a body kick and just recocking, repositioning, and going up for a head kick. That was, yeah. that was fucking was beautiful. Ask, I think, as well. That was like fucking beautiful. Yeah, because Izzy throws a real, real nasty question mark kick that he's thrown in his last couple fight. He landed on Costa's fucking head. Um, I think he actually almost landed one on Yan when they fought as well. But the way that Sungwoo was throwing him out there, that's immediately what I thought of the way that he aims that motherfucker at the body and then at the very last second hooks that bitch right up at your goddamn dome. 
I, I agree. Uh, I think there's going to be a highlight reel kick in his fucking future very soon. Like he he him he just made him look so fucking seamless, but so quick. Just yeah, butter. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm I'm a big fu- uh, Sung Woo Choi fan. I I think that motherfucker is going places. I'm telling you. Oh, you're gonna die. Um, yeah, he's gonna die if you keep going up against Sung Woo. We heard you. <laughs> the, the, the 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 missus is is in, is in the living room playing Smite. She's streaming Smite right now. <laughs> She's streaming Smite. So if, if 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 you hear just random things in the background, that is Mrs. RJ streaming Smite on Twitch. Randall, you shit in That's awesome. No. But uh, moving along to the next fight, there, um, we for the record, I'm pretty sure all of us agreed last week that uh, this was low-key potential fight of the fucking night, uh, Cheeto Vera versus Davy Grant. Guess what, folks? Uh, it absolutely, absolutely was a three-round top-to-bottom war. Those two came out and just got the fuck after it. Um, and I will say this. Davy Grant is a tough son of a bitch. He's he's another one that I feel um, is a little under. I won't say underrated. I'll say underappreciated because um, people know how good he is. People just don't know who the fuck he is yet. He's still that new of a fighter in the UFC, really. Um, and he is a tough motherfucker. But again, Cheeto Vera is so fucking smooth in everything that he does. Um, there was not a moment, in my opinion, where Cheeto did not have control of that fight. Um, he dictated the pace. Davey, like I said, is a tough motherfucker and wasn't going to give up, but that was a Cheeto show, man. Cheeto came in there and just showed how fucking well-rounded he really is. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I, would, I would absolutely agree. I haven't, I haven't had time to watch, oh, God, meter left. Oh, no. I haven't had a lot of time to sit down and watch Davy Grant fights, but I watched uh, I watched the, the the replays from the fight because I was at work last week, and like j- j- just seeing Grant just use everything that he has just to keep distance, front leg kicks, front body kicks, just to keep distance and keep a little bit of pressure on Vera. Like that was. That was very, very, very good on his end because not a lot of people really, really do that anymore to keep distance, to keep, just to keep that going. So they have, so they still have the advantage on, okay, keep distance, front leg kick, front body kick. Let me take a breath for a second because he has like 14 steps that, 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 he, ha- that he now has to take to get back to me. Let me take a second. Let me take a breath. Let me get a game plan. Let me see how I can move my game plan around this situation. Now that was, that was great to see. And I absolutely agree. He, he would be underappreciated and underrated from what everybody says about him. He's going to get, he's going to, he's going to get his matchup for him to fucking shine. That's that's what I was just gonna say, and I think it's only a matter of time before they set him up with that match that really lets him showcase. Which, again, 
tough motherfucker, but this was this was a Cheeto show. Like Cheeto was out there negating what Grant was trying to do and just showing how much more well-rounded he is, in my opinion. But I think oh you're hundred percent right. I think there's somebody out there very, very close that's gonna be that perfect match for Davy Grant to just showcase now that he's a out of the way of Cheeto. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean whenever whenever you put somebody that's that that's an that's an up and comer in the industry and you put them against somebody that has been battle tested that has gotten gotten everything just fucking sharpened out ironed out like there's no there's almost no stopping that situation i've been in i've been in those situations and there's almost no fucking stopping it yeah it's i i feel like at this point the ufc is almost expecting Cheeto to kind of flounder uh, and <laughs> he's not gonna um, so props for them putting him up against somebody like Davy Grant who put on a fucking war like this and uh, spoiler alert this was fight of the night they did get that 50k for that because they went out there and went the fuck after it this was a hell of a fucking war but that will bring us to our co-main from Saturday night the dad bod constrictor versus the polar bear, Alexi Olenek versus Sergey Spivak. Um, I, I will say this. That old man is a tough son of a bitch. That old man is not a gimme fight for anybody. He is dangerous all the way fucking through, but the polar bear came out and just outworked him from, from the get-go. Olenek had his moments, absolutely. It was not a one-sided fucking battle by any stretch of the imagination, but in this case, it, it really did show you that Olenek at 44 it is not top echelon. He's not, I'll still say he's top 15, absolutely. Maybe top 10 gatekeeper situation here. He's not out of the fucking rankings by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying he's not tippity top. He's not getting a fucking title shot anytime soon. Um, Spivak himself has a lot of fucking work he has to do to get himself into that conversation, but I feel like he still has the potential to get himself into that conversation with a little work. Whereas Olenek is it's one of those situations where you can only teach that old dog so many new tricks before father time just kicks him in the dick and tells him he's done. Um, I think he can still hold a solid gatekeeper status for a while, but I, I almost feel like this more showed off how tough Olenek was than it did how much Spivak could outwork the old man, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, me personally, I love, <clears throat> I love uh, Alexi Olenek. But his age and the amount of just professional fights alone, fuck his, his amateur run, dude. This is this is where life gets scary at forty four when you have like seventy fucking fights under your belt on the professional level. Man, that's when that's when CTE really starts fucking taking full force because you've been doing this for the the last last 20 30 years of your life man this is when this is when it starts to get really fucking scary for 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 people watching somebody that's just dedicated their entire life to to a combat sport boxing mma brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling anything of that nature 
this is when it starts to get real fucking scary. And this is when I don't want to watch somebody fight anymore. I don't care if they still have it or not. Just the amount of damage you take. It's not, it's, it's just not worth it at that point at that age. It's just not worth it anymore. At least in my opinion, I would like to see him hang it up after this contract say now this, you know, enough's enough. Yeah. I, well, and it's one of those things where it's weird because you don't want to see him take a whole lot of fucking punishment. You don't want to see him end up getting Muhammad Ali, but at the same time, he has 59 professional victories and he has openly said that he really is just chasing that 60th because that's a fucking record. He wants to go out with 60 professional victories. So I understand, you know, try and find that matchup. That's going to give you the chance to give you that last fucking shining moment, hit number 60 and fucking lay him down. Matching up with guys like the polar bear though. <laughs> I, I just don't feel like that was a smart matchup to begin with for Olenek. I understand why Spivak took that fight. We saw the result, um, but I just feel like Olenek much like a Davy Grant has to find that one like ideal situation fight. And at this point, realistically, I think it's worth maybe sitting out for, for six, eight months if you have to, to find and get that one good fight that's going to give you that chance rather than, you know, being the fucking yes man when Dana calls and says they need a heavyweight step in. Maybe don't throw yourself in the cowboy realm with a fucking heavyweight division and find that one fight that you're going to be able to do you and get that dead body constrictor fucking Ezekiel in there, lock that bitch up, get your fucking tap and then fucking go out like a champion. You know, I was, I was just, I was just about to say, be a Connor, not a cowboy. <laughs> Pick the right? fight. Pick the right? fight. Pick your victories. Yeah. I, I agree, man. And I, and I hope we get, I really realistically, I hope we get to see it. I want to see Olenek get that match where he can just fucking, get somebody like another Maurice Green where he can go in. It's not going to be 100% easy, but he's going to be able to go in and do what he needs to fucking do to look great. Yeah. But we'll see. With the UFC, there's no fucking telling, especially with Dana where his head's at these fucking days. And But that'll uh, bring us to our... Go ahead. Meter, uh, TJ ju just dropped stuff in chat. His internet's still down. Uh, he's he has game for the uh, main event and Bozer for the co-main. Throwing it out there for you. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, hopefully we get his internet back up and we can actually get him to tell us about his picks. But if not, yeah, there we go. We got him in chat here. <laughs> um, but that'll bring us real quick to our last little recap from last weekend. Our main event. Uh, the Korean zombie himself versus Mr. 50K, Chang Sung Jung versus Dan Ige. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I had every fucking confidence in the world that this was going to be a fucking war. And boy, those two don't know how to disappoint. This is another one of those cases where both gentlemen in this match are allergic to boring fights and they break out in punches and kickets. And we got exactly that this was in my sick korean zombie in there just doing every fucking thing he could every chance he got but ige to his credit doesn't understand how to quit he is so fucking 
tough. You can hit that man with the fucking kitchen sink and he's not going to fucking stop. You have to stop Dan Ige. Um, and we have saw, or excuse me, we have seen that in several fights now, but goddamn Chang Sung Jung is a fucking chess master. That man plays physical chess with you. And you could see every time Ige was trying to correct for something that the zombie was doing, the, the zombie would change up how he was doing something. Or if he would start attacking from one side and you see Ige adjust to it, he would switch stances and come at you from the complete opposite fucking side with it. Just beautifully step for step, making all the moves he needed to, making the corrections, making the adjustments in real time, just showing us how fucking fight intelligent the Korean zombie himself is and how fucking tough Ige is for staying in every second of that fucking fight. But at the end of the day, the zombie is the zombie because he will just keep coming forward until you can shut him off if you can. And unfortunately for Dan, he could not shut the zombie off and he kept fucking at it until he walked home with a W from a fucking great performance in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, all I got to say about this is South Korea has to be teaching has, has to be teaching their males something different at a very young age. Because like there's not very many South Korean MMA fighters that aren't fucking murderers. No. <laughs> no, I agree completely. It's and, and that's another one of those places, like, it's underrated. People don't really think of South Korea and mixed martial arts fighters for whatever fucking reason. In the, in the general common vernacular, that's not one of the immediate associations like it is with, like, a Brazil or a Russia or an America. Um, it might be time that people start to expand that old-school mentality horizon a little bit because I agree completely. Every one of the South Korean fighters that we have on the roster – is a fucking born in blood killer. And we're starting to see that we had two on this fucking card and both of them kicked ass and took fucking names. So I, I completely agree with you there. Um, bonuses, like we alluded to earlier, um, performance of the night, Sung Woo fucking Choi for that beautiful fucking knockout. And then Matt Brown for his fucking lucky shot. But like we said earlier, fight of the night was Cheeto Vera versus Davy Grant. That was a beautiful fucking war. Um, medical suspensions for this card. Fairly, fairly reasonable. Uh, I don't understand how, but we've got um, Chang Sung Jung hurt his shoulder. Um, they're saying out until December 17th, unless cleared by a doctor. Apparently some of that fucking scrap really put it uh, Ige is just out until next month because he had a little split on his lip. Uh, Olenix out until uh, beginning of August, split on his lip as well, or on his cheek rather. Cheeto's out for two weeks. Davy Grant apparently got his nose cracked out till the 17th of December or Dr. Clearage. Juicy J, who got laid the fuck out, only out until August 4th. Six fucking weeks suspension minimum. A little weird. Uh, Turnman, who got laid the fuck out, uh, out till August 19th, eight week, also a little strange. Uh, Lima hurt his knee in that fall, apparently, has to get cleared by a doctor or December 17th. Um, obviously, uh, Kanako Murata, 
uh, left elbow cleared dislocation uh, must be cleared by an orthopedic doctor or out till December 17th. That one actually fucking makes sense. Um, and then pretty much everybody else is just July 20th. Um, one other quick little uh, recap I do want to go over um, that I actually honestly did not anticipate going over with you guys this week. That genuinely kind of surprised me. Um, the Anderson Silva versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. card from last weekend. Um, Canelo's brother might be the best Alvarez in the family, in my opinion. Um, I've been over this a couple times with a couple of different organizations. I, I generally feel that when there are siblings that compete in the same sport, they're not generally as equal as they try and put off as they are. Pitbull brothers. Um, generally it's it's pretty evident that one brother or sister or sibling however the the breakdown is one of them generally gets the talent the other one generally gets the showmanship um but it generally is not split equally here man ramon alvarez <laughs> that dude quite literally kicked bloody ass um he i i Jen, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to sound as cluttered as I am, but I, I struggle to remember, genuinely struggle to remember a time that I have seen such a literal bloody beating in a boxing ring as we did with Ramon Alvarez in there, just kicking the living dog shit out of that gentleman here. Um, it's, it's kind of sad that none of the Chavez boys could get a, a W really except for, for senior who wasn't really even in a match. It was a four round exhibition against Camacho Jr., which was also a little bit weird. But even then, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. came out at 60, was he 62, I think? And was still actively going and throwing and chasing down Hector Camacho Jr. and literally putting the screws to him, whereas uh, his oldest son could not get away from Canelo's brother's punches who quite literally bloodied the fuck out of his entire face in that match. Um, and then you had what was probably the unanticipated glorious fucking highlight of that night, which was Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., a 60 plus professional fight, legitimate pro boxer taking on Anderson Silva, former pro MMA and kickboxer in his second ever professional boxing match. And he flat out styled on that motherfucker for the entirety of that fight. Many, many, many people besides myself have expressed the fact that Anderson Silva may have looked better in this legitimate professional boxing match last weekend than he has in an octagon in the last five years. He was every bit the classic Anderson, the spider Silva we got to love in the octagon in a boxing format. He did the old hands down show and walk. He did some fucking Floyd Mayweather-esque fucking head movement. At one point, he backed up to the fucking corner in the ring, slapped his fucking leg like he did with Stephen Bonner, Stephen Bonner, excuse me, and stood there and let fucking Chavez Jr. come in at him and still was fucking outworking and fucking countering him back from the corner like he did in the cage. 
it was legitimately beautiful to see. And the smile on his fucking face through the whole fucking thing, you could not pay him to get rid of. Anderson Silva absolutely fucking stunted on a genuine professional boxer in a night that was absolutely supposed to be all about him and his father. And he just got shut the fuck down by the spider. Um, it makes things very interesting here because Anderson Silva has been literally saying for, I think eight years now that he wants to box Roy Jones jr. In a legitimate professional boxing match, not an exhibition, not a show. He wants to fucking box Roy Jones jr. And it's always kind of just been like an open joke, uh, kind of like a, a running giggle in, in the MMA world until Anderson came out and genuinely beat the shit out of Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in front of the world fairly effortlessly. And now it's kind of a real possibility. Um, it's kind of at the point now where the ball is in Roy Chunes Jr.'s core. Like if he can get medically cleared, I guarantee you Showtime will jump all over itself to put together a fucking event for Roy Jones Jr. versus Anderson Silva as a genuine professional 12-round boxing match. Um, there have been a couple of rumors that come out that Mike Tyson's Legends League is, is absolutely working on this exact thing, which, I mean, okay, I get it. That kind of makes sense there as well. But at the same time, this could absolutely get that full-blown theatrical showtime promotion treatment and be a legitimate pay-per-view thing in my opinion like Anderson is still a bad motherfucker he's just not going to be a bad motherfucker in an MMA octagon against a 25 year old right now but against another 40 year old boxer this could absolutely be a legitimate fucking thing here like we could be getting treated to some genuine newfound prime Anderson Silva matches. And he's already said he's not going to do this as a career. This isn't going to be the next 10 years of Anderson. He only wants to do a couple more, but he doesn't want to do exhibition matches. He's not doing this to put on a fucking show. He's doing this to show you he's still very much a capable, competent, and happy individual in beating the shit out of people. You kind of have to give him the chance, in my opinion, to maybe do that Jones fight. I mean... If Tyson's thinking about setting up with his Legends League, why not let them do it, but let stars promote it and shoot it? Because then you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting a full coverage pay-per-view just out of this world promotion on stars, which is the cream of the crop for big time boxing promotions and just just shoots but let Tyson's name be on it for the Legends League because both of because Roy Jones Jr. and Anderson Silva are legends in their own right. Different different Absolutely. sides of the sport, but they're both right. legends. So I wouldn't be mad with, with with that doing it, but like incorporate both of them. If they can do that, if they can come together as as both sides like hey this is going to be our name, but we're giving you full rights to shoot it. And let's come up with a deal with how we're going to do the money side of it. Figure out how to distribute and broadcast. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it could be a fucking great thing if they could work it all out like that. Because 
because then you're getting you're, you're getting the, the legends league more airtime more promotion and letting people yeah, see it that yeah. wouldn't have known that this is even a thing yeah i i agree i think that could be just the way to do it let them do a fucking merger man let them fucking both work it mayweather versus or mayweather and zufa and mcgregor promotions or mcgregor uh combat sports all did the promotions for floyd versus connor everybody got money off that fucking promotion i don't see any reason why they couldn't do a similar thing here with everybody involved yeah more promotion more money for everybody and that's what this is all about at the end of the day everybody wants a nice paycheck for doing what they want to do so fuck it make money man fucking do it (sighs) but that'll bring us to the teensy-weensy little fucking <laughs> chunk of news that we've got uh, since we saw you find folks uh, this last week. Literally just a couple of, of announcements here. Um, the first one that I want to go over real quick because it does kind of set up the next one. Um, we kind of got an announcement without getting an announcement, and it was really a little fucking weird for me, especially considering what we're talking about here. Um, we found out uh, yeah, just yesterday, actually, Max Holloway is officially injured and out of the fight versus Yair Rodriguez for next weekend's, or excuse me, not next weekend, uh, two weeks from now's July 17th, Vegas 31 card. We didn't get an announcement that Max was hurt, though. The announcement that we got was that Islam Makachev versus Tiago, yeah, Tiago Moises, we're doing this live, uh, is now taking over as the headliner for the July 17th slash Vegas 31 card. Um, And it wasn't an announcement that Max was hurt. It was an announcement that this fight, Islam versus Tiago, was taking over as the main event because Max had pulled out of the Yair fight. Excuse me. They said Max versus Yair had been, quote unquote, shelved because Max had been reported of an undisclosed injury that would prevent him from making the fight on July 17th. So it's like we, in a weird way, they didn't tell us that Max was hurt by telling us that Max was hurt. They told us that Max was hurt by telling us that he wasn't headlining anymore, that Islam versus Tiago is. That's That seems a little weird to me, considering this was one such a big deal because they were Dana himself had already said that whoever wins between Max and Yair was going to be the person who fights the winner of Holloway versus Ortega. This was literally for the next title shot, even though Yair didn't deserve that. Um, but then to not actually come out and announce that Max is hurt just to change it in, in headliners and then make this like an aside to that announcement. It, I don't know. That's just a little weird to me the way that they did that. Um, we did, however, get uh, a pair of, I'll say interesting, uh, fight announcements <laughs> um, this week. Um, the first one uh, being a addition to the August 7th UFC 265 card in the form of Karolina Kovalkiewicz versus Jessica Penne, which I think is a great fucking matchup for both of them. I'm very excited that they're going to put that on the fucking pay-per-view as well. Give both of those ladies a chance to get a little fucking shine back because they can both use some. Um, The second announcement, maybe not quite as exciting, but absolutely interesting as well, 
um, we have now got the re rebooking of the official retirement fight for Betch Cohea uh, now taking place against Carol Rosa on the October 2nd UFC card after her appendix surgery last minute did go good. Beth Cohea has been officially cleared by doctors to go back into training again for her final fight. Um, so finally, finally, we can officially be done with the two and seven Betch Cohea. Uh, but that's all the fucking news we got this week. That, that's it. Literally, that's the only things that have happened noteworthy since last week. There is one little story about uh, Luis Pena that is out there right now, but those details are still unfolding, and that story has got all sorts of fucking weirdness attached to it, so I'm not going to get into that until we have a little bit more of the facts on that case, because that one could potentially be a career ender. If if the the little bits that have been released so far are true, violent Bob Ross is about to be incarcerated Bob Ross for the rest of his fucking foreseeable future. But like I said, we don't have all the details on that and there are still facts being revealed. So I'm not going to get into that any more than I just did. That being said, we actually have two cards coming up this weekend that I want to talk about here. Before we get into this weekend's UFC Vegas 30 card, I do want to take just a moment to remind you folks that the UFC card this weekend prelims start at noon central. I'm going to repeat that for the folks who did not hear me. Noon central time. Saturday is going early for the UFC again this weekend. We got a little bit early last weekend. This weekend we're getting ridiculous early noon central for the prelim start now the weird thing that that does is it generally means that we're going to have a finish the final matches of the ufc card should be finishing up somewhere around 6 to 6 30 maybe 7 ish central time when it's all said and done if we get you know some long decision fights and whatnot um, will be done 8 p.m. Central-ish at the latest, I would say, with the UFC card. And taking full advantage of that was David Feldman with the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. BKFC 18 takes place this Saturday night, kicking off at 7 p.m. Central time, when the UFC would normally be starting their main card with just a short card for BKFC. Um, five fights... But four of them are for a belt. Four belts in the BKFC are officially up for grabs this weekend. I don't agree that all of them are deserved, but they are all up for grabs this weekend. Um, I said it before and I will say it again. I don't agree with David Fellman's um, structuring, so, we should, so we'll call it, um, of, of the way that he's putting together the BKFC roster. But I do understand from a business standpoint he very much knows what he's doing. And this is a perfect example of that in him letting Pearl Gonzalez make her debut against Carissa Sagala. <laughs> Bare knuckle, 135 pound bout. Um, I, I think this could affectionately be referred to as a merch selling match. Um, you're definitely going to want to see the gear, so to speak. Uh, while this one's going on here, but 
it, it will lead us into four actual title matches in the BKFC. The first one following the merch match um, will be the one and only UFC former champion. I think, no, not champion, champion or challenger. Former UFC fighter, Tiago Alves, taking on Ulysses Diaz for the 185 pound belt in the BKFC. Followed up by Luis Palomino, Louis Baboon, taking on Tyler. I don't deserve this fucking shot. Good, John. Uh, for the 155-pound belt that neither of them should actually be fighting for since that's Artem Lobob's fucking belt. But, uh, you know, then you're going to do what you're going to do. Um, which will lead us into the co-main event, bringing back a pair of former UFC badasses in one Hector Lombard taking on Joe Diesel Riggs for the light heavyweight 205 belt over in BKFC, which is going to be fucking spectacular, especially after we just saw um, this afternoon that Joe Riggs actually almost beat the shit out of one of the fucking loudmouths who's going to be cage side and doesn't have any fucking business even talking to Joe Riggs. Uh, he's fired the fuck up, ready to go. But that brings us to the main event for Saturday night's BKFC, the one that everybody who watches BKFC should be tuning in to pay attention to. The heavyweight belt is officially on the fucking line. Joey Beltran, a bad motherfucker that he is, is going to give the hillbilly sledgehammer Sam Shoemaker his chance at the strap, even though he a hundred fucking percent does not deserve it. Uh, good on Joey Beltran for being a gracious fucking champion in the BKFC as he is about to slap the dog shit out of this fucking redneck that is Sam Shoemaker. Um, hashtag and still. I'm calling it fucking now. Joey Beltran's going to beat the shit out of that fucking dude. He is quite literally one of the sloppiest haymaker throwing fucking hee-haw loving dudes I've ever seen. Sam Shoemaker might be tough, but he ain't fucking technical. And that's where Joey Beltran fucking shines. That belt ain't going nowhere. I mean, years of fighting in the UFC really brings in the technicality, precision, and accuracy to a sport like this. And that's where, that's where uh, Beltran really gets to shine. I just I, I just love how almost everybody except I think three or four people are all prior UFC title holders or title challengers at one point. Challengers, yeah. Yeah, almost I I don't I don't know if it's it's quite that high. I think I think it's not quite fifty percent, but I think it's close to like 35-40% of the BKFC roster at this point is former UFC either either champions or challengers, like you said. Like they're not scooping up everybody that comes out of the ufc to be fair they're scooping up most of the legitimate dudes who still have fucking hands and this show is going to be a great example of that yeah so if you're looking for a little more punchy kicky than you're going to get early in the fucking day with the ufc which we'll get to in just a moment don't forget 7 p.m central saturday night we've got bkfc going down in the typical ufc time slot That being said, that will bring us to our reason for the season, our namesake for the show, if you will, this week, the upcoming UFC Vegas 30 card. Um, 
I'm not going to lie. We, we kind of grazed over it a little bit last week. I genuinely did not realize until I went to do my notes for the show last week that this was not the card we were getting last week. I genuinely thought this was the card we were going to have last weekend and was so fucking excited until I realized I had the dates wrong and we had to call the other card first because this card has all fucking sorts of fun fights on it. Um, To be fair, this card, much like most fight night cards, does not have a lot of, shall we say, um, divisionally impactful fights in terms of championships but it does have very much a name recognition factor um you will recognize i would say at least 40 percent if you're an average fan you'll recognize 40 percent or so of the names on this upcoming card um beginning right out at the very fucking top with the fight that we have mentioned i believe five times now four times now uh this is one of those like Khabib and Tony-esque cursed fights that they had to remake so fucking many times here. Yancey Medeiros versus Damir Hadzovic. This is, in my opinion, the Yancey Medeiros shit or get off the pot fight. Um, Damir has been waiting to take this fight graciously for a hot fucking minute now and did not need to. Could have absolutely moved on and taken anyone else to fucking go after, but waited for Yancey and I kind of feel like there's not really a whole lot of reason for that particular matchup to be that locked in unless they're really going to make this Yancey's shit or get off the pot fight because if he loses this I feel like we're going to see him getting cut Monday morning I honestly I don't know because we haven't seen a whole lot from Yancey recently period Um, so I don't really know if he's been legitimately trying to keep his fucking job in the UFC or if he's been doing whatever else the fuck he wants to do but I think Saturday night we're, we're genuinely going to see his can you still do this or not moment because I feel like if, if Demir hands him his ass he gets walking papers first thing after that'll bring us to another very fun fight <laughs> Charles Rosa, who I don't know many people that still like, uh, versus one of the most fun dudes in the fucking UFC, Justin Guitar Hero James. Um, Justin James is one of those little dudes that we talk about all the time that is allergic to boring fights. He breaks out fucking windmills and goes ape shit, and it's always fucking glorious to watch. Um, since Fresh is not here, I will absolutely gush about him since somebody fucking needs to because he is so fucking exciting to watch and we have seen charles rosa just be manhandled by almost every single person that he has come up against um i'm not going to say that bryce mitchell putting the fucking twister on his bitch ass broke him mentally but i'm sure it didn't fucking help um and if a guy with the likes of bryce mitchell can just absolutely bitch slap rosa around the way that he did i have a very strong inclination that justin james is going to spend a round and a half maybe two rounds making rosa his bitch before he finishes this matchup as well i mean i can second that i i i am i am on fresh's side of this where i fucking love justin james he 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 has that that old school Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell energy to like, yeah. let's just fight in a fucking phone booth. Just step up. Yeah, like real deal, throw down. Fuck you, let's go. Yeah. Tuck your tuck your chin in, 
bite down on the mouthpiece and let's go. Like er earlier today, just because I saw this, I had to watch a couple of run backs of his fights. The him him uh, his fight with Benavidez, the what the fuck out of nowhere knockout. Man, he has that he has that old school 2004, 2005, 2006, whenever MMA really started to blow up, he has that type of energy to where it's just in the middle of the ring, just tuck the chin, bite the mouthpiece, and let's fucking bang. Fuck yeah. And I love it. I am down for a show. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm always excited when I see Justin James' name on a fucking lineup. Absolutely. Um. Interestingly enough, following that is another match that we've been kind of excited about a little bit around here, but again, has been bounced around. I think this one got bounced three times from three different cards for one reason after another. But finally, finally, barring anything happening between now and then, we will get our Julia on Julia violence. It took us a long time to get our Neil on Neil violence and some of us patiently, some of us not so patiently, but we did wait and got that fight and it was fucking great. I am very much hoping that we have been patient enough to get this Julia on Julia violence and it will be worth the price of admission as well. Um, the Violet Panda or the, the Kung Fu fucking Panda, Julia Ovelia is fucking hilarious and she is awesome. Um, honestly, I do not understand how Julia Stoliarenko is still in the fucking UFC when she floundered her way out of the Ultimate Fighter and has not done anything worth talking about in the UFC since they still, for whatever fucking reason, gave her a full contract chance. Um, I'm very much hoping we get to see the Angry Panda come in here and just kick the shit out of her and showcase her badassery and we get Julia on Julia violence that is giggly and memorable. Um, following up that though one of in my opinion the most underrated fights on this card Marcin Prochnio versus Isaac Villanueva um, both of these dudes are up and comers in the light heavyweight division uh, I believe Villanueva is coming down from heavyweight now that he's starting to get his fucking nutrition under control um, but Prochnio is one of those new breed that just is fucking dangerous all the time from everywhere. I think this is going to be a fucking battle. Um, we've seen Villanueva in the past have issues with his cardio, but again, he's working on cutting down and getting his tone fixed, getting his nutrition right. So if he has done that properly, if he has gotten himself where he says he wants to be, where he should be in his opinion, um, where it very much looks like he could be, a legitimate contender, a problem for the other guys in that division. If he's got himself right, this is going to be a fucking 205 war. Prachnio is very, very fucking crafty, but Villanueva is as well. They are both very well-rounded. They are both very hard-hitting and very technical strikers. This could be a very, very, very interesting fucking war, in my opinion. I'm calling it right now. This is my potential keep-your-eye-on-it fight for the evening. Uh, not really a whole lot more than that on the prelims. Um, Worley Alvarez taking on Jeremiah Wells, literal last-minute replacement. Um, Wells was just picked up yesterday as the last-minute replacement since Alvarez has 
two replacement fighters for this fight have both fallen out now. So that I will say is going to be interesting to see another literal last minute replacement debut guy in Jeremiah Wells. Um, not that Worley Alvarez is a full on world breaker, but he's no slouch to be sneezed at either. So there's a little potential interest there, but other than that, there is that's about all I see. The, it's it's going to be interesting with the the Alves and Wells. Uh, I did a little bit of research on Wells today. Um, he is he, so he is wrapped up in two very reputable like camps. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter training as a Gracie out of Philly, which is a very respectable location for the Gracie name in MMA. And he's fighting as, as a uh, EEF camp, Extreme Evolution Fighting Camp, which is not a camp to, that a lot of people know of, but that is a I know of the camp. I fight people that have that compete out of EEF and their boxing, their hand skills, their stand up. That shit's top fucking notch. At least for me, I'm a pro am fighter. I'm not in the big leagues, but goddamn, the, the motherfuckers got, got got hands in. I can say that. I fought I fought some of those motherfuckers on uh national levels. They there's some well-rounded motherfuckers over there. I don't know. I don't know about Jeremiah Wells in particular, but I do know about the camp itself. He definitely has some very good potential with the camps that he has himself in. That man has some definite potential in the UFC. Nice. Definitely going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. I'm always curious when we get literal like two day replacement guys like this making their debut. Um, that's how fucking Terrence Kenny got his. That's how, you know, several guys in the last couple of months have made fucking spectacular debuts doing it. So it's going to be interesting to see if Wells can do that, especially coming out of a camp that's known for hands against a guy in Alves who isn't necessarily known for having the greatest chin, but being a tough motherfucker. So, you know, three days to make your fucking whole camp, your weight cut and get everything ready for a fight isn't a whole lot of time, especially for a debut. So I'm always interested to see how those play out. Definitely going to be keeping an eye on that one as well, though. Um, I will say this, uh, the UFC has got a keen eye for card openers lately. Um, this being no exception to that rule. This is another one of those fights kind of seems to be a fucking running theme on this card that has been rebooked. I think this one got three times as well. Um, Hanato Makano, excuse me, Hanato Moicano making another run through the 155 division. He decided he's going to stay up at lightweight. He's not coming back down to featherweight, apparently. Um, This time taking on Jai Herbert. Um, This is a very interesting matchup. This is two dangerous fucking dangerous Brazilian practitioners here. I don't know, man. I kind of feel like Moicano might have made the jump up to lightweight a little too late, but he definitely, in my opinion, looks better at 55 than he did at 45. He seems like he's got a little more power. He's got a little more fucking gas tank. There's just a little more fire in that fucking tank. And we saw Waikano be a fucking legitimate world breaker at 45. 
Um, I understand with the fucking log jams and all the craziness going on down there, wanting to fucking get the fuck out of there and actually try and make some progress coming up to 55. I think it might've been a good move for him. I just feel like it might've been a little too late. Um, I feel like Jai Herbert's going to be a real good test for him because he's kind of one of those newer breeds of dudes who can do every fucking thing, but is still respectful enough to understand the danger that fucking Hanato is going to present him in this match. I think it's going to be a real fucking entertaining match. I don't think it's going to be one-sided. I think it's going to be real back and forth. And honestly, I can't tell you who I think has the advantage here. I think it's going to be real close and I'm down to fucking watch it. I think it's going to be a great way to open the main card. Yeah, I mean the 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 only, the only upsides that I can absolutely look at from watching both of them fighting their fighting styles is Herbert is he's a lot more comfortable standing up than what Wakano is. I mean, Wakano can he can stand up with the fucking best of them, but Herbert just seems just more comfortable, more natural on on his feet. And Moicano just he embraces that Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he can take a motherfucker to the ground, keep him there, and just do work. Those are the only uh, the the only advantages on, on, on both sides. I mean, but it is pretty fucking close everywhere else. I agree. I, I think it's gonna be a great fucking matchup. I'm down for it. Um and following in that same fucking theme, I believe this is the fourth fight or fifth fight on this card that has fallen into this place. Um, another one that I believe this one only got had to be remade twice, but this will be the third time this fight has been put together. Um, Tim the Dirty Bird Means versus Nicholas Dalby. Um, I'm fucking down for this fucking resurgence of the Dirty Bird. I have been a fucking Tim Means fan since back in the goddamn day when them fucking Dirty Bird elbows just did fucking work on a regular. I'm so fucking happy to see him making this fucking latest resurgence. Um, He feels very much to me like a Ricky Glenn where he took a little bit of time off and people fucking forgot. Um, Those elbows have not taken a day off. He might have had a little time out of the fucking shine here, but Tim fucking means has been a legitimate, deadly bad motherfucker for the longest goddamn time. Uh, Dolby has got a lot of potential in him. We have seen some fucking flashes of greatness in him, but it is so inconsistent. And we know in the UFC, inconsistency is your biggest fucking enemy. If you can't keep it together time to time, you can't keep it in the UFC. And Tim Means is not the dude you want to come in there half-assing it against because he's going to put you to fucking sleep. You will wake up staring at the fucking rafters wondering what just happened. I think that's exactly what we're going to fucking see here. I think Dolby's going to come out. He's going to be fucking wishy-washy. He's going to play around. He's not going to get fucking serious. And Tim Means is not going to waste fucking time because he don't get paid by the fucking minute. He's going to come out. He's going to do work. He's going to elbow Dolby into next fucking week. And we're going to see the Dirty Bird get himself with a DK bonus in my fucking I completely agree with that. I don't I I agree that people are forgetting about Tim Means, but you cannot like if you go in on YouTube right now and just search UFC knockout highlights, I guarantee Tim Means is at least on there three fucking times and any of them. Because that man and at least two of those are elbow stoppages. 
like he's he's fucking dusty roads of, of, of the UFC world. Fuck a bionic elbow. He's he, he's just coming across your fucking chin and wrecking shot. Oh, Tim. Yeah, means. a lot of people don't realize Fuck. that before John Jones was really kind of like known for his elbow like punches the way that he throws his elbows like you would a punch Tim Means had already won multiple fights doing that so I mean if you're a fan of those John Jones elbows don't miss the fucking Tim Means fight I'm telling you that right fucking now I'm telling you I'm telling you I'm telling you elbows will be fucking flying and it's going to be glorious Uh, that being said That'll bring us into the fight that we mentioned last week. Literally was just thrown together um, a week ago. Uh, Andre Feely versus Daniel Pineda. Going to be an interesting featherweight banger. I will say that. Going to be an interesting featherweight banger. There's a couple of little guy fights on this card that are going to be keen to keep an eye on. This being one of them as well as the follow-up. Hayoni Barcelos versus Timur Veliev. Um little dudes going crazy it's, it's a shame that fresh isn't here to get more excited about it than we would but i'm telling you now little dudes are going to go fucking crazy on this card saturday afternoon that being said though that'll bring us into our odd replacement co-main event fight that we've got coming up this weekend uh, tj seems to think that tanner bozer is going to be able to get it done at heavyweight against the resurging OSP. I would be inclined to agree if I hadn't been following a little more of OSP's social media recently than I have of Tanner Bozer. Um, I, I am a big Tanner Bozer fan. I have belief that the power of the mullet compels you and that he has fully embraced it and he has potential. But he, again, is one of those fucking inconsistent dudes that we don't see the same Tanner Bozer every time out there. And that's just not a good thing. Like, that leads to too many problems, specifically in the fucking heavyweight division. Not a good place to be hot and cold. Um, We have seen OSP compete at heavyweight. We have seen OSP compete at 205 and do decent in both places. The only time, and he himself actually talked about this uh, earlier this week in an interview, the only time we really see OSP have problems at heavyweight is when he goes against the guys that cut to make heavyweight. The Francis Ngannos, if you will, the guys who are cutting to make it to 265 because he walks around about 240. He's not bulking up. He's going to walk in around 240 here. Tanner Bozer usually also walks around 235 240-ish. So theoretically, if both of them come in naturally, this should be a fairly even 205-er fight at heavyweight without cutting weight, similar to what Connor and Cowboy were at welterweight. That was really just a pair of 55-ers who didn't cut weight. Given all things equal, and we're looking at a pair of 205 guys who are fighting without cutting weight, it comes back into the skill realm. And if you're looking skill versus skill, at Tanner Bozer against Ovent St. Prue, I don't see a way that Tanner can get this. He literally falls back into that only really has a puncher's chance of catching OSP with a clip. Other than that, OSP has the better striking. He has a better ground game. He has the better grappling, and he definitely has the better jujitsu in this situation. But again, 
This is a guy who's trying to stay at light heavyweight, now fighting without cutting weight at heavyweight. So I can see TJ taking Bozer in this. I'm not subscribing to that, though. I think that OSP is going to come in and just walk around weight against the dude who's going to come in and just walk around weight, and it's going to come down to skills, and I don't think that Tanner has what it, what it takes to keep up with OSP. I think OSP does this one. I don't think it gets real late. I don't think we see the end of the third, but I do think it's going to go past the first. I think it's going to be a little bit of work for a feel-out process. Um, I think we see middle of the second. You know, I'd really like to see OSP with the uh, Von Prue choke, as it was appropriately named, but I don't know that Bozer is going to give them that opportunity. I kind of feel more like Tanner is going to be a little more bouncy and headhunty and leave him more open to that OSP lesser-known head kick knockout. Yeah, I mean, the the last several fights for OSP in light heavy, they've just something was amiss, and I absolutely agree. Seeing him, seeing him training on his social medias, dude, that's a that's a whole another that's a whole another human being. Just watching OSP now versus his like him training him getting ready for his last fight dude that is not a night and day difference of just energy and who he is as as a fucking human being that is ridiculous to see and on Tanner Bozer's side the the last time we really saw him shine was whenever he fought Lens and got a ridiculous knockout that was really the last time we've seen bozer absolutely shine and really do something ever since then he's been eh. he got a little sparkler here and there a little firecracker will go off because he'll get a, a a good combo in but that's just about it seeing the the as meter as you like to say there's levels to this bozer's right about here and osp's right about here right now there's osp's is just on a different level on what he can do with his body uh and if he can get bozer to the ground i'm calling that's an absolute wrap i don't think bozer would get back up I absolutely agree. I think if it goes to the ground, Tanner's in trouble for fucking sure. Um, I would, like I said, I would love to see the St. Crew choke be brought home where it rightfully fucking belonged. Um, Olenek was, was very absolutely entitled to borrow it for a while, but it is not the Olenek choke. It is the Von Prue choke for a fucking reason. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, but that brings us to our namesake for the card itself, our reason for the season, the main event of the evening, Cyril Gon versus Alexander Volkov. Um, I'll let you go ahead and talk about this one first. Oh, shit. All right, so I'm, I'm just going to jump into it. Um, Seeing what Gon has done over the last 
several fights that he's had now. Uh, I honestly think that he's going to take the same exact fucking approach that he took with, uh, oh, what's his nuts in his last fight? Fucking um, Rosenstroke. There we go. Uh, I think he's going to take the same, the, the same exact approach and fight extremely intelligently because Volkov is another powerful motherfucker that has that one-shot knockout power, just like the top 10 of the heavyweight division. And I think he is going to go in and kind of keep distance, keep pressure, instantly back out and just run it kind of like he did in the Rosenstroik match. I don't think it's going to pan out the same. Uh, a lot fucking faster than what Rosenstroik is. He's a lot more. And uh, I, uh, I honestly don't know where to go on a who. Uh, the oh. OBS oh. just disconnected, reconnected. Yeah, yeah, I was. It did it. Uh, it did it a second ago, but it instantly came back. I'm just making sure it reconnected again. Yeah, looks like it did. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you're good. Sorry, got sidetracked there by OBS. Fuck over me. Um, it really feels to me, at least, like they are trying to to almost force a narrative of getting Cyril Gon up to the top to fight Francis Ngannou because they were former training partners, former teammates in France while MMA was still illegal. Um, it, it really feels like, honestly, there's not a whole lot of storylines in the heavyweight division to begin with. Um, John Jones's bullshit is, is there and it isn't at the same time. Um, the, the prospect that John Jones could have been, in my opinion, is fucking long since lost. Um, he shelved himself and talked himself out of being relevant at this point. Um, but we can clearly see that the UFC is not in any fucking hurry to give Stipe a rematch again for whatever fucking reason. Um, I don't know what Dana has against fucking Stipe. I am of the opinion that the guy who holds the fucking record for the most title defenses in the fucking division who got caught with a shot and knocked out deserves a fucking rematch, especially considering that the Poirier McGregor trilogy is going on and that is a knockout for a knockout. And this was a domination against a knockout, which puts them at one and one in a trilogy series. In my opinion, the fight to make just like Poirier McGregor was Stipe versus Francis three. But we know that Dana's not going to do that. So Dana's going to try and parade Francis as the champion to whoever, wherever, as long as he can without giving Stipe that chance to come back. Now that we know that Lewis is out of the picture and John Jones has still negotiated himself out of the title fight, there aren't a whole lot of other clear contenders to be the next person to get that title fight. Wouldn't it be so fucking convenient if after the fight falls through with Derek Lewis, Cyril Gaon were to come in as the current number three ranked fighter, beat Volkov, who many are saying are, is on a resurgence right now. I don't agree with that, but they're saying it. Um, and, you know, come out with a dominant victory at number three when both of the people above him have already either talked or confirmed they're not in the picture anymore. Now we've got a title fight potentially between two former teammates from another country in the UFC. 
I won't say that Volkov is a, is a walk in the park or, or something to be stepped through. We've seen very much that he can be absolutely dangerous until the end of the fight. But at the same time, we saw Derek Lewis beat the shit out of him at the last possible fucking moment in that match. So we know that he can be outworked at the end of the day. It, it just feels to me like this is a setup for Cyril Gaon to come in, outwork Volkov, get the W, and now with no one else above him, he has essentially shoehorned himself into not only a title fight, but a title fight against his former training partner that you know the UFC is going to absolutely build all of their fucking promo material off of. I mean, be, people should have expected the Derek Lewis fight to not go through. Derek Lewis said himself, even on the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, that I, you know, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'm not looking for that title fight right now. I still have work to do on myself. You know, if it comes and I'm ready, I'm gonna take it. But right now, I'm not ready. It's been two months since then. Like, and that's not a, a lot of people all over the place, fucking fight analysts and journalists and all that shit saying that he's making a big mistake. He's looking out for the, his best interest, which is his fucking self right now. And he's to be fair, that has always been Derek Lewis from the get go. He has always said, I don't like fighting, I like money, and I'm good at fighting. That's how they got him in that fucking title fight against DC. He literally said two weeks before, shit, no, I don't need no title shot. I need to take my black ass to the gym and get my fucking cardio in check. Literally two weeks later, Dana backs a dump truck full of money up to his fucking house, and he's confirmed signed to fight Daniel Cormier in a fucking title fight. He said openly, Dana White paid me a lot of fucking money, and I knew I shouldn't have taken it, but I like money. Yeah. Can't be mad at Derek for being honest about that. Yeah, I, he, I mean, the man said it himself. I'm not ready for it. If if I get the offer and I know I'm ready for this, I'll take it. But right now, I'm not ready. And I respect somebody in the industry just to, to, to say that out loud for the world to hear on a podcast like the Joe Rogan Experience. I'm happy. I love to hear that sort of stuff. Because you know where you are as a fighter. You know you're not there yet. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I don't think it's going to be an easy fight. I don't think it's going to be a one-sided gone comes in and just wipes the floor with Volkov. But I don't know that it's going to be competitive or as competitive as we're going to want it to be. Um, I have a feeling it might be a little bit of a boring match. I don't really feel like gone has that title fire in him right now not saying it can't get there but it just doesn't feel like he has that championship fire burning in him right now and unless we see him come out and really just flat out dominate Volkov with no fucking exception and no wasted time or effort I I don't know that it really is going to feel deserved if he gets the title shot which I kind of feel like they're pushing him into I mean I I don't I don't think it's, it's, it's deserved watching how he I mean, he intelligently fought Rosenstreich, but that that wasn't it. It was it was intelligent because he was keeping his distance. He was picking his shots, which I'm all for the, the the person that wants to fight intelligently. 
But whenever you get into to, to the upper echelon, you have to fight intelligently, but you also have to fight hunger. Yeah. You have well, to... And that's, that's kind of what TJ and I were talking about last week as well. Um, neither one of us agreed that Yuroslav Amasov deserved to be in there when that fucking title fight with Douglas Lima. And he didn't put on an exciting fight. It wasn't an entertaining fight. He went in there and he did what he needed to do to neutralize all of Lima's attacks. And then he wet blanketed him for five, five rounds to hold him there. And he absolutely got a win, but getting that win and having that championship fire in there and dominating to claim your belt are two very different things. And I just, much like I didn't see it in Amoslav in his fucking wet blanket appearance two weeks ago, I, I don't see that same championship fire and gone. I still think he's got a good chance of winning this match. I just don't think that he's really filling the part that it seems like the UFC wants him to play right now, if that makes sense. Or he 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 doesn't understand what the fuck he's getting into because there's right. been because for the last several months now, the narrative has been John Jones gets the winner of Stipe. Ganu, John Jones gets the winner. That's like that's been the talk of the town on the heavyweight side of things. But until this week and last week, that completely fell apart. So I, he might not know, like, hey, in four months, I'm fighting for the heavyweight championship. Right. I don't know. It's it's just a whole weird situation over there right now. But uh the only way to see how it's actually going to turn out is going to be to tune in Saturday early afternoon, noon central for the UFC prelims to kick off, 7 p.m. central for BKFC 18 to kick off Saturday evening. But me, we're going to go ahead and call that all for this particular episode of the show here. So before we get out of here, I do want to give this kind gentleman who showed up to do the show with me this evening a chance if at this point someone needs to know what regiment they should be working on to get themselves in proper shape to challenge for that coveted purple strap how can they get a hold of you after the show rj i mean you can always hit me up over there at rj mma official on the instagrams um you can also hit up our lovely discord which is linked in the description of this video because i'm always looking at it i'm always I'm always excited to see what news doesn't get brought up on the podcast, little, little fun tidbits, because there are some things that are dropped over there on the I'm No Joe Discord that doesn't get brought up during our broadcast. And I always look at least twice a week to see if we get any fan comments on our Q&A section. For anybody to drop comments and we'll answer it live here on the here on the podcast waiting for him thank you very much for your time sir always appreciate it anytime man that being said uh if you need yourself a fresh batch of fried cheese curds and some directions to a Kenosha Crippler. You can always take yourself over to catch my Wednesday night homeboy, the one and only Golf Tee Vapes on YouTube. You can catch him on Instagram and he will message you back there. We also have the lovely and talented Fresh O3 himself, who as well can be caught on YouTube 
or the Instagrams. Uh, we like to thank those gentlemen. TJ checked in on the chat, but those are our favorite gentlemen here on the show as well. Uh, you can catch the show itself on pretty much all social media platforms. Discord, our new Discord server link running along the bottom and in the description, like RJ mentioned, we've got news that does not make it to the air here for many different reasons. We've got the live Q&A section, like he mentioned, where you can ask any old punchy cheeky question down there and we will take it and get it answered here on the air live for you um we are also on obviously instagram slash i'm no joe if you are listening to this you're welcome um but you can also catch us live thursday nights on youtube.com slash i'm no joe if you are however watching us do this live on thursdays I'm sorry. You can also catch the show in the all audio format through your podcast consumption platform of choice, anchor.com slash, excuse me, anchor.fm, excuse me, slash I'm no Joe. Uh, get the podcast in all audio format there. If you enjoy what we do around here, just overall, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe to help support what we do. Get your name at the end of the show. Get you access to the behind the scenes shit, the unaired segments and the frankly unairable segments that we just can't show you live on the air here. And uh, it really helps us do what we do around here. But that being said, if you do like what we do around here, Give us a thumbs up, hit that subscribe, make sure you've got that bell turned on so you don't miss an episode of the show and share some of this with a friend of yours. Somebody's got to like it, damn it. We don't do this for nothing most of the time. On the other side of that coin, if we are just a couple of fuck sticks sitting here talking out our ass without knowing what we're actually fucking saying, go ahead and give us that thumbs down because we earned it and we won't dispute it. But that being said, we are going to go ahead and call that all for this particular episode. So until next time, folks, remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless you really thought McCaffey wasn't going to end up getting Epstein.